So I'm filling in for uh, Amos today, and uh, it's always interesting when you're kind of filling in. One time there was a speaker that came to uh, a church and said, you know, when you're filling in for the normal pastor for speaking, it's a little bit like um, if you have a window that's broken and you put a piece of wood in it, a piece of plywood to, you know, just be a placeholder for the time being. And after he had uh, finished being able to share his message on Sunday morning and and uh, a little boy came up to him and said, and said, Pastor, uh, you're, you're not just a fill-in in our church. You're a real pain. <laughs> so, so, as you put up with me uh, for a few minutes this morning, we want to be able to say hi to all those folks that have joined us on Zoom. We're glad that you can be with us while you're physically uh, away from us. And if you have the ability to look up Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47... Uh, either on your phone or we have some uh, Bibles uh, around the church. Um, we're going to read there for a moment because we want to continue on with our thoughts about the book of Acts as we have in recent weeks and months and being able to look a little bit at, well, what was the early church like and how does that give us hopefully inspiration and encouragement for how we can be? And as you're turning to Acts chapter 2, um, I want to be able to tell you if this was Sesame Street, today would be the letter C, okay? And you'll find out why uh, we're going to be focusing on C words today. So beginning at verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the very first word that we want, I need a helper to be able to come and write for me on the whiteboard here, is the word Christ. So that's the one that we want right at the very top here, okay? And as we start to be able to think about that and think about the passage of what was happening here, we realize that it says they gladly received the word. Well, what is the word? The word was Christ. They very much were revolving themselves. Thanks so much. Great job. They were very much revolving themselves around what they received the word. And they commonly came to understand that Christ came and these group of people that gathered together, they were all very much centered around the message and ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting in recent weeks how we've been learning together of how that message transcended huge cultural and ethnic dynamics. So they overcame these barriers and they started to come together around who? Come on, somebody be brave. Christ. Okay? 
And I'm so appreciative of the way that Amos carefully helped us to realize how this happened, that the message of Christ was something that helped people that formerly were separated and had actually strong feelings one toward the other. They were very distinct and different from each other. We'll talk about these three different groups in just a minute. But it's important for us to know that the group of people that were receiving Christ, that were treasuring Christ in their lives and in their hearts, uh, they were sharing a message that wasn't necessarily understood broadly by everybody, let alone accepted by the other people. One of my former professors and an author by the name of Michael Green, he described it very well. He said, basically Christians were opposed by the general public. If we look at the initial and general reaction of people sharing the message of Christ, it didn't go well in many ways. Although we hear in this particular passage there was a favorable response, we want to recognize that it was happening in the midst of a whole bunch of people that really weren't ready to be able to receive something like this message. If we think for a moment about the Greek audience that we've been hearing about, they, they really felt this message of Jesus coming into the world, of being the Messiah that was expected to come, of doing miracles, of dying for people's sins, of being raised from the dead, they just did not, as a group, largely resonate with it. They had their own faith, their own belief, their own understandings, and they just felt that this was right out there. The Romans, their general mindset, was they felt the message of Christ was weak and ineffective. That was their general view. And the Jews just couldn't bring themselves to stomach it at all because they were expecting a different Messiah, not the kind of Messiah that Jesus was. So as Christians are sharing the message of Christ, it's miraculous that some people are starting to respond. And in this message in Acts, we find there was actually quite an amazing response that took place. And as we start to think a little bit about that, it's quite incredible for us to realize that they were sharing something that many people were opposed to. In fact, for Greeks and Romans, they had an expression. And their expression was, nothing new can be true. And this was a new message, the message about Jesus. And so when we start to think about that group and start to think about other people that are saying, this is not the Messiah that we were expecting to have come. The early Christians have a big challenge of making the message of Christ as clear and as understandable, and for that matter, as simple as it can possibly be. So if you go back a few verses in Acts chapter 2, we see here is one of the examples of them making that message clear. It says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, whom the Lord our God will call. 
Those words, and all who are far off, are really important. Because here he's speaking into a context where there's people that are separated very, very significantly. They are very different from each other. They have uh, a great degree of separation from one another. And for that matter, they know they're sharing a message of Christ that those people are going to start out with as being very separated from. And so in many senses of the word, when they were told <laughs> as early Christians, you're going to be going and sharing this message of Christ with people who actually are very distant from that message, very far off from it, and very separated from one another. And in verse 43, it tells us that God was with them. It mentions that they had a sense of fear. And I kind of think that sense of fear is better understand maybe a little bit as a sense of awe and reverence and respect. And they recognized that God was with them, and that was amazing in and of itself. It also mentions that signs and wonders happen. So on the one hand, from a human perspective, sharing the message of Christ was incredibly hard. But yet when we put God in the equation and we realize that God was with them and he was causing things to happen that were amazing and miraculous and wonderful. So here we see we've got these people that received the word and that is miraculous in and of itself because they had to know that they are going against the mindset of the Greeks, the Romans, the Jewish community that was there at the day, and this was not a popular message. Christianity was not popular. And for that matter, when we think about it, and we think for a minute about the general Canadian context, the message, the Christian message, is not necessarily popular anymore either. We're living in very different times. And as we think about it, in Jesus' time and in the years that followed, in that of the early church, there's only a really small percentage of the overall population that had contact with Jesus in the first century. And the apostles and the early disciples were compelled by what they knew of him and what they believed about him, and they accepted this word into their hearts. And it was because that small group of people accepted the message that something started to change in their lives. And all of a sudden, they started to share it with other people. And God miraculously allowed people to overcome those barriers that there were for them to accept that message and them to receive it. And then it talks about what, what happened to them. Well, they repented. Repentance means you have a change of mind. You recognize the importance of realizing how Jesus came, and you're overwhelmed by that, and you respond in faith, and you say to God, I'm willing to change what needs to change in my heart. And then it mentions that they were baptized. And baptism is a visible acceptance, an affirmation that we believe in who Jesus was, in what he came to do, and in that impact on our lives. So it's interesting to be able to see the outworking of this decision. And we're going to have to write another word up here in just a moment. So get ready for it. When Christ comes into a person's life and that message and ministry is received, then all of a sudden things start to change. And he starts to be able to lead people in new ways 
and a new direction. So let's look how that happens, okay? And let's start to be able to think for a little bit. The first century people that decided to receive that message and those that were assigned to be able to teach that message had to do it initially through oral tradition. They didn't have Bibles like we have. They didn't have ways of being able to have a recorded word of what Jesus had done. So instead, they're sharing it with each other and they're explaining it, interpreting it so that people can understand. And they're hearkening people back to things that Jesus said. So for instance, if we turn to Luke chapter four, in essence, there's Jesus reading from Luke chapter 61. In verse 18 and 19, as Sid read earlier, it talks about how the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus is reading this in a Jewish community very early, in his early days. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. After he read that, he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened upon him. That's in verse 20. And in verse 21, he began by saying to them, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I kind of wonder what it was like. For let's say we think of some of the older Jewish gentlemen that have been sitting there for decades in that same synagogue, listening to the scriptures being read by different Jewish men who would have come up, some even young like Jesus. And Jesus comes up to be able to read, and it was very normative what he said up until the time where he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I can just imagine the eyebrows that were going up because Jesus is helping people to understand that this is a continuation of what was happening in the Old Testament, of God's redemptive work that takes place through the world. Why? Because he loves and he cares for people. And in essence, I think that when he said this, it really was quite a bombshell that goes off. And people are kind of looking at each other, thinking, well, what's our response going to be? In this situation, fortunately, it was favorable, because in verse 22, it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And as I think to myself about how Jesus was obviously inspired in a very special way in that moment, they're coming to realize the growing understanding that people who would eventually receive this message, that this just was not a carpenter's son, who actually was a carpenter himself. But now he's taking on a new vocation as he shares with them what it is that God is up to in the world and how they can receive the message. And it's wonderful for those people to have their hearts encouraged because Isaiah 61 is talking about people returning from exile. God's people had gone into exile, which was a hard time. They left his promised land in the Old Testament. And the messenger appointed the prophet by God's own spirit announces a new day of God's victory, his kingly rule. It's nothing less than the dawn of a new age, even back in Isaiah's time. But when Jesus interprets it and helps them to understand, me coming into the world is the working out of this new era 
of God's people being led forward by God as they're trusting him and as they're believing in him. And then to be able to say, no one is excluded from it. It's a wonderful thing to realize that the New Testament church clearly understood and said, ethnically, we're different from each other. Culturally, we're different from each other. We've been learning about that in recent weeks. But the day of salvation has arrived, and God's people are ready and waiting for him. Joy is the order of the day, and now all people are invited and encouraged to accept this message. And when we receive it, it means that we look at people different. And we recognize that God values us on days even when we may not feel that well about ourselves. That he cares about us, he loves us, and as a result, because he cares, we care. So this is going to be the second word we've got to be able to write up here, okay? And as we start to be able to think about that, we realize the word care is really important, okay? It looks like you've got a helper to come up here as well, too. <laughs> so... The word care is uh, what we need to have as the second thing. Because when the people accepted the message of Christ, they started to be able to care. They cared in the same way that Jesus did, and they ended up overcoming these cultural boundaries. Thank you guys so much. And as we start to think about the whole area of care, Jennifer has a story that she's going to come to share with us at this time. <laughs> Friday morning, uh, we took a, we gathered and we went to this little church called um, Moradas, oh my Spanish, Moradas de Dios, so, um, and you looked up what it meant, the, the safety of God, anyway, it's of God, I'll get back to you on what Moradas <laughs> means, because yo olvido rapido, I forget fast, that's one thing I remember, <laughs> anyway, back to the point, sorry. Um, so these women gather, and they're cooking food for, originally it was for the um, people from Venezuela that had, were refugees in the city of Barranquilla, and they would deliver the food to the people who couldn't come to this little church, and you'll see pictures later. But what I noticed was how they cared, these women cared for each other, and they were having a good time and cooking, and Judah goes and he spends time with them as well. And just that they give of their time and do this cooking and cleaning and, and providing this meal for these people, and sometimes it's their only meal. And it's quite incredible. And then they were, we were chatting with them because they had prepared everything, and so we had some time and we were just visiting. And this one woman, there was four women, one, and so I, they were all very full of enthusiasm and energy and just so warm and loving and, and sharing. And so Yvonne was sharing with us, and uh, she was telling us about her daughter who was um, in the hospital and asking us to pray. And so I did say that I would bring her name. Her name is Marlena. And I said uh, we would come as a church family and pray alongside Yvonne for her daughter who is in hospital. But that's not, I wanted to ask you to pray for Marlena, but also I wanted to tell you about Yvonne because these other women were probably around my age, but Yvonne was about 78 years old. And I didn't really notice. Janice said, would you believe, or no, Judah. Judah said, would you believe Yvonne is, is like 78 years old? And I was like, wow. Like, I was shocked. And so this, this gentleman then came over as we were chatting. And his name is Orlando. And uh, he was a great guy. So he was married to one of the other women. And he drove 
um, Janice and Jesse last year to help deliver this food in the town. So he came over and he was teasing Yvonne and talking about her husband and how they were renewing their vows. And, and then he said, and we couldn't really tell when he was joking, he was quite gregarious, we couldn't really tell when he was joking and when he was serious. So then he says, um, well, Yvonne, I've known her for six years, and when I met Yvonne, and he kind of demonstrated that she was walking like this, and, you know, more of what a cartoon character we would think of as an old person that was having trouble walking, like, just not very well. And so we said, what are you, you know, what do you mean? Are you joking? Like, this isn't a very nice joke, if it's a joke, you know? And then he said, and she confirmed it. She said, no, it's no joke. Coming and being involved in that community, being involved with those women, men and women working together, caring for the people, it gave her new life, new life in Christ, her love of Christ, and just being able to show love to others, work together in community, care for one another, she, it gave her a new lease on life, and she was just walking tall, smiling, involved, energetic, and so I said to them, I. They didn't understand what I said, but I was like, we need to let people know this. Because if people knew the energy and the love and the enthusiasm they could have by allowing the love of Jesus to come and help you care for others, and the energy and the rejuvenation that gets, I think more of us would want to come together, work together, and help other people. And it was just such a testimony um, of what they're, they're doing there. So just seeing that care in action was amazing. So here we have an example of, of people that are caring. And they care not only for those that they need, but they also care for the people that come to team up with them to be able to help others. And amazing things took place there. As we start to be able to think about care, I, I thought to myself this week, I thought, okay, well, how do I see that played out? Well, there's people that are in our congregation that I know in very quiet ways, you end up, caring for other people. You can do it in simple little ways through phone calls and contacts and being able to connect with people and find out how they're doing and encourage them and help them. I thought about our church a little bit and I thought to myself, it is literally miraculous that we would find out about these hill people that live in India that have a need in their life and that through your generosity and your care of being able to give, we are able to put together money for wells and water projects there. I remember when the bishop came from India a number of years ago to be able to speak at our church. He said, those hill people are really very different than the rest of us in India. One is that they're very discriminated because in India there is a very clear sense of prejudice and racism within Indian people. It's something historically that they've come by. And he said, for you folks who are living very affluent lives in Canada compared to them, to take time to care for them, why? It's because we received the message of Christ. And because we received that message, we look at all people, no matter who they are or where they are, as important people. And he says, in India, those people are not seen and looked at as very important people. What you're doing is absolutely incredible. And it's a transformational message that we receive the message of Christ 
and then we actually care for people. And I think it, it continues to challenge us to be able to say, okay, who are the people in our community area and our region that maybe are a little bit different than us? And who, how is it that we can actually show care to them? And I think it's absolutely wonderful that our church supports Beaver Valley Outreach, which is a community agency that, that helps marginalized people that come and have needs. And also they're safe and sound in Owen Sound that's helping a lot of people that have big needs in their life and sometimes not even a place to stay that come there to be able to get food and sometimes shelter and also where they can get um, just sometimes clothing that they need. And so it's really important for us to recognize that it's not really optional once you've received the message of Christ to care. It just comes with the territory. Now the next word that we have to be able to put up here is community. And that's what we hear in the passage when we read it, is that these people, when they received the message of Christ and they started this sense of caring for each other, they formed community. Now, it's quite amazing to realize that the people were very diverse and back uh, and, and, and different from each other. And yet, what was it that drew them together, that allowed there to be a certain glue that God would allow to form amongst their lives, that would allow them to find this harmony and community in spite of their diversity? It was the fact that Christ was present with them, among them. The Holy Spirit was helping them. And sometimes people will ask me the question, well, how do you understand the way in which Christ is present and working with people and the Holy Spirit comes and helps? And I said, I heard a really good illustration one day that if you're ever driving um, in the evenings, um, especially on, uh, back on backwood roads in Ontario, and you come along a, a big stone church, and somebody has decided to be able to install huge floodlights that shine up at the front of the church, and in the midst of the darkness of where we're driving, we all of a sudden see this church lighted. Well, that's the way that the Holy Spirit helps us to see and understand Jesus, so that then in turn, we can be able to model who he is and share who he was. And these people that formed community, that lived in community, it said they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. It seemed like they really hung out together. And I found it interesting that as we went through a COVID season, that we still found a way, as best as we could, to hang out together on Zoom. And even now, we've got people that are joining us on Zoom that aren't able to be here with us, but we kind of like hanging out together, and we're glad that you're here. And as we start to be able to think of, well, what are we going to do in the days ahead? Well, one of the things I'm quite convinced we're going to do is whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it while we're hanging out together, while we're hoping, encouraging one another, sharing with one another, talking about life together, being able to be alongside one another in the happy moments and in the sad moments. I think it's a great way that we can trust God in different ways. And I want to use a story from the life of this church from decades ago that Ross Camplin told recently and shared with a few other people. It was about how people a long, long time ago 
uh, just love to come together, hang out together, and trust God. So Ross's grandmother was very concerned about two things. He tells a story about her concern both for her own uh, physical well-being because she had cancer, it was very serious, and also there were concerns within the church at the time. So she decided to open her house for an all-day prayer meeting. People could come and go as they had time, and the day was set aside and dedicated to be able to pray about these concerns. And as they trusted God together and declared their dependence upon him and asked for uh, his help, God came through. And their community that they shared together was something that was rich and meaningful, and yet at the same time, it was all centered around their belief in Jesus Christ and their care that they had for one another. And the way in which they were declaring their dependence upon him is a wonderful thing. And just to let you know, next Tuesday night at seven o'clock, the same thing's gonna happen here at our church. And the wonderful thing about the level of community that you have is the way that you can allow Christ to help you find ways to have relationship with people that are different than you. Even in the life of the church, we all come with different stories, different backgrounds, different experiences. And what are we united by? We're united by Christ and the way in which he helps us to know how we can care for one another. We're all people that need forgiveness. And even the people that aren't a part of us right now, that maybe are interested in spiritual things, are folks that need forgiveness. We all find that in common. And we all find we come together and we form this community dependent upon the gracious work of God through Jesus Christ. Now, the last C word that I want us to be able to uh, put up today is a very important word that is called concern. As we start to be able to think how the early Christians went forward in life, they had a level of concern about how they would live personally, how they would carry themselves, how they would give attention to their own spiritual lives. And that's why I wanted to be able to give you uh, these pages that I've given out this morning, because it's by an author, uh, David Kendall, that I thought said things better than I could. And I was really impacted by him because he's talking about the people that are in this community are holy people. Now, what does holy mean? Well, holy means you're set apart for a certain purpose, okay? You've got a distinction to you. And that group of people that live out holiness have an opportunity for mission and ministry. The Spirit of God indwells in this holy people of God and empowers them both to be like Jesus and to do the work of Jesus. So that's a really important thing, is that we live with this level of concern about the quality of our spiritual life, about the fact that God, when he starts to work in our hearts and lives, changes who we are. And if we go underneath the uh, uh, little statement there that says here is David Kendall's summary. It said, God is at work to create the community we need, a, a new generation of Christians. And I think as we live in the days that we're at, if people say, well, what are you about going to the Blue Mountain Community Church? Um, if you can't come up with a quick 
response of your own or want to paraphrase this, I think this is what we want to be about here. People overwhelmed by, people overwhelmed by who God shows himself to be in Jesus, barely able to believe how deeply God loves them and unable to help but love him in return. We are people who sense God's undeserved forgiveness and it prompts a reflex response back to God and to others who deserves God's love no more than they do and to whom it is no less offered. People who therefore hunger and thirst for more of God and whose appetite God satisfies. People who find themselves losing themselves in Jesus, who now find themselves oriented to God, others, and self the way that Jesus was. People whose dependence upon God leaves them to value and depend on the family God gives them in Jesus. That's a wonderful thing for us to do, is depend on him that way. To, be, to realize that God, all the way, empowers us to do this. How? By his spirit. And we are people whose former brokenness is clearly on the mend, whose relationship reveal a beauty and attractiveness that many of the love-starved and sin-stained folks around them will find irresistible. I'll stop just there. And I want to be able to say, as we go forward in life, it's really, really important for us to recognize how the early church operated. And despite the fact it was so many years away from us, there's commonalities of what they had and what we have today. And there's also challenges that lay before us in terms of how we will live our lives individually and then also together in the future. And as we think to ourselves about how God calls us right now to live out a life as being faithful followers of Christ, it's really important that he lead the way, that he remains primary, that he is the most important one that guides our hearts and lives. And then secondly, that we, because of that, have this ability to be able to care, to see God changing us in the process of that, and then to come together as a community, to be able to allow God to keep guiding us and helping us. But then lastly, to recognize that within our own hearts and lives, we need to maintain a concern. I know some of the Christians that I have known in the past, sometimes their concern played itself out in a way that was understood as being legalism. And they just didn't want to do hardly anything. And the reason why was because they wanted to be the type of people that God was calling them to be. But largely, they didn't always explain to me all of the things they got to do. <laughs> they were heavy on the things they weren't supposed to do, but they didn't explain the things they got to do. I think we're living in a day and age where people will love it when they hear not only the way that Jesus has changed our lives, given us a whole new perspective on life, helped us to realize that we're not going to let ourselves be separated from other people. In fact, we need to find ways together to overcome those barriers, to say that we are all deeply loved by God and that everyone is welcome to be able to come and be part of our community. And we're going to live with concern, not only just to make sure we avoid things, 
but that we actually put energy into doing things. And God will help us all along the way. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your word and that it's encouraging and inspiring for us. That it helps us to understand that even long ago when people experienced great challenges sharing the message of Jesus, that you miraculously came alongside of them and inspired them and enabled them to share the message clearly and that you worked in the hearts and lives of the hearers that started to be able to respond. And as we marvel in that amazing, miraculous work that you did, we thank you that we can trust you in our time to be able to share that good news message and to be able to know that it's not just something that we do in our own strength, but it's something that you are right alongside of us, encouraging us and guiding us and strengthening us. And as we start to think about the moment we spend in prayer today, being able to care for others, we, we pray for people that are far away from us, that speak a different language than us, and we don't really know what's going on um, for them at this time. We know there's a lot of people that are grieving the loss of loved ones and friends and community members in Turkey, and we just ask that you would be with them and comfort and support them. And may there be an opportunity for things to come along that would meet them at the point of need, that they would feel love and encouragement. And we also thank you for uh, Jesse and Judah. And we thank you that as they grew up in Canada uh, and had Christ touch their lives, that you inspired them to be able to go far away to the country of Columbia, to be able to help other people. And we pray that you would encourage and inspire them and the communities that they connect with of Christ followers that want to be able to share your love and the wonderful message of Jesus. We also pray for healing for those that are uh, in our midst, maybe people that we know, people that are part of our church family who um, are sick at this point in time and or have great concerns in their hearts and lives, that you would guide them and help them, encourage them and strengthen them. And we also thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to still remain connected with even our, our church family members that are on Zoom today. And we pray for any need that they may have or any need that we may have as we've come together in this building, that you would uh, allow us to trust you and believe in you and know that as we rest in you, you care for us and guide us. And we thank you for this day and the opportunity to come together and look into your word and be encouraged and inspired by the message it brings and pray that you'll guide us as we apply it in our own hearts and lives in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.